0: Hello, Catherine here. If you're listening to my podcast because you're a fan of wintering, the good news is that my new book, Enchantment, is available now. It's a book about how we can find a way to reconnect with a world that's sometimes hard to live in and even to find magic there. It's available in all good bookshops and please support your local indie if you can. For more information, you can go to catherine-may.com forward slash enchantment. Happy reading. Hello, I'm Catherine May and welcome to The Wintering Sessions, the podcast that sets out to learn from the times when life is frozen. This week I'm talking to Marley Grace, the writer, dancer, quilt maker and entrepreneur whose book, Getting to Centre, counsels us to slow down and listen. In this frank and wide-ranging conversation, Marley talks about the process of finding a life that makes you happy. This includes finding love, learning to live with addiction and her ongoing quest to find balance in life that's led to the decision to leave Instagram, at least for a while. So Marley, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast today.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Catherine. I'm really excited to talk
0: I feel like we're becoming best friends. We spent an hour talking last night for a different reason.
2: I know. I'm like, we need to exchange phone numbers. We need to stay in touch. I have so much to talk to you about.
0: Yeah, text me. (laughs) So I wanted to get you on the podcast when I read, well, first of all, I read How to Not Always Be Working, which is just such a big theme in my life. Yeah. And then I was privileged enough to have a proof of getting to center your most recent book. And in that you talked a lot about, you know, the the huge changes your life has been through. And I, I kind of wanted to, you know, I see you as a person who handles change in a really creative way. Mm. Uh, and I, I kind of wanted to talk about that. But first of all, I know that you're about to take a social media holiday and I would love to talk to you about that in this moment because you're in the kind of white heat of that decision I think. Can you tell me a bit about it?
2: Yeah well first of all I just love so much that you refer to it as a holiday um, <laughs> because I've been referring to it as a sabbatical which sounds like so academic and serious and like I have to leave mm. and actually I'm such a sensitive person it's like really easy for me to like get teary-eyed just when I like hear certain things that I like and <laughs> during holiday I was like oh I'm, I'm going on a holiday like this is like yeah. holiday is you know in the U.S. we use that word more as like a celebration like a oh, of
0: course I was thinking vacation of course but yeah Absolutely. sorry
2: <laughs> So that's why I love that. I'm like, oh my God, this is a holiday. So, you know, in getting to center in how to not always be working and in this, um, I self-published a zine that came out the summer of 2018. So just before how to not always be working, that's also about, it has this, it's in front of me. It has this long winded title that says how a photo and video sharing social networking surface gave me my best friends, true love, a beautiful career and made me want to die. Wow. And, you know, I don't say that lightly. You know, it's like the interface of an app like Instagram really sucks the aliveness out of my body and my heart. And so, mm. you know, since summer of 2018, two and a half years ago, I've been really publicly writing and thinking about my own addiction to Instagram and other people's. And so, it felt really like spirit led and channel to pick these specific dates, which are January 17th to May 17th. It's a, you know, it gives my current book about three months to really have its time on Instagram. And then um, the four months was a little bit arbitrary. It was a little bit like, I think, if I can't figure out how to make any money, I think I'll have at least enough to live through that time. And then, uh, and yeah, like, you know, one day at a time, God willing, May 17th will be my 10 years without a drink. And so I was like, you know, so many people have really followed my path of sobriety with me on social media. It feels really, Special to want to like share that day with them. And so mm. I don't know what's going to happen after that. It seems like career sabotage to not just log out and leave the page up. But it, the call to me feels really like to temporarily deactivate, to not exist there, to not be a part of the path of other people's attention mm. being taken from them.
0: That's really a hard decision, I think. I mean, I, I know lots of people find that hilarious of me to say it, but. Talk to me a little bit about the addictive nature that you feel. I mean, I think everyone's addiction to social media maybe is for different reasons and has a different quality. Talk to me about the quality of of why you find this so addictive.
2: Yeah, you know, I've been really grateful. I started a Patreon community this year, and we've been having these monthly Zoom meetups called Social Social, where we all just talk about why we're addicted, how we're dealing with it. Mm. And it's really interesting that people have really different reasons for not being able to take breaks. You know, part of my addiction is so embarrassing is the word that comes up for me. Like it's really like, I feel like I've healed so much of the like, compare and despair or checking what other people are doing. Like Mm. this feels sort of like Astrologically, like post Saturn return, like being 32 years old versus being 28, just even in those few years, just feeling like I feel confident in myself and confident in my work. Yeah. So I don't have that as much as I maybe once did. Mine is so like, I have a sticky note in front of me that says how intimately powerful the app is. Like it's just, so intimately powerful, like just the interface of the way my thumb like dances over the screen and in the app. And I just check and check and check. And I pick up my phone and the way it hits the dopamine in rushes in my brain. Mm. That's the part that reminds me of the physical addiction of alcohol and how that was for me was like, yeah. I had a mental obsession and a physical addiction was how I describe it. And I, that's where it's so interesting. The mental obsession of Instagram is so much less for me than it used to be. Like I do find really real connection and celebration in that space. And
0: yeah, for
2: sure. it's, yeah. it's really draining for me.
0: I think it's really interesting to talk about that physical relationship we have with these apps. You know, there's a there's a soothingness almost to mm-hmm. running your hands over the screen. I mean, I you know, our phones themselves are designed to feel great in the hand and they do. They feel so native there. Yeah. And then you add these, uh, yeah, these apps that are giving us this cycle of reward and the dopamine rush that comes with it. And sometimes I, you know, I find myself just cycling between Instagram and Twitter, Instagram and Twitter until I have to kind of check in and think, what are you doing? What's your purpose here? What are you? There's not even any new things for you to look at. You're literally just touching, 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 touching almost. Such a weird thing. I got briefly very addicted to, I don't know if you know this game, but a game called Merge Dragons earlier this year. No,
2: but I'm like, should I look it up?
0: don't look it up no don't look it up (laughs) I it's really I love those kind of organizational games where you can make the world feel really good and ordered and like you're in control of it and that's exactly what got me about it but then I found that I could not stop thinking about it it like replicated itself in my mind And somebody sent me an article about how it was designed to do exactly that, to absolutely be the peak of addictivity. And I read it and just deleted it from my from my phone. I mean, I I cannot let myself be exploited by that. It was
2: appalling. Wow. I mean, you know, again, this this part has been relieved a little bit for me. But I just when I announced the sabbatical the other day, I had multiple friends reach out to me really Talking about the seriousness of the addiction for them. Like, I think that's mm. where we're just not like, okay, we're not seeing people who are using the app talk about how serious their addiction is because that would be embarrassing. It would be embarrassing mm. to be like, I'm so addicted to this, but look at me using it. Yeah. Whereas people who are really talking about it are mostly men, mostly white, straight, cis men who have written books. We have like Cal Newport with digital minimalism. We have Mm -hmm. all these men writing books who none of them built or ever relied on social media to have careers. And so there's this gap in the system to me. And that's where like, I don't really want to leave social media for four months. That doesn't like I do. And I don't like I'm Mm -hmm. kind of in a groove. I kind of like it. And I know I'm addicted to it. And there's so many people in my life who are like, I wake up and I'm obsessed. I wake up at people have to. (laughs) this is where I'm going to cry. People are like, I wake up in the night thinking about it. And wow, that's powerful. Yes. And so that's where I'm like, can we leave? Like, can we disappear from that space and not have to complete, like, I've sort of heard of a few people who have left and they, they went back to school, they got new jobs, like they didn't continue that same career. And so I'm just really interested in like, I feel very called to To charge the experiment forward for others and for myself. (laughs) That's where my Patreon feels really important. And my newsletter is like, I'm going to really, it feels like um, an offering to me to be like, okay, here's what I'm doing to plan. Here's how it feels. There's so many people too scared to do it. And I'm scared, but I like to be scared and do stuff anyway. So...
0: Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, we need to talk in six months time and see how it went. You yeah. might be a completely new person. You might be completely yeah. full of this new mission. It could be amazing.
2: Yeah. Cool. It's
0: really unpredictable. It's fascinating. Well, I mean, I'd love to move on a little bit, but I think yeah. in lots of ways, this is, you know, these things are really linked together, aren't they? Because, I mean, I can't even imagine how this worked, but you actually moved town or not town, like state even, is it? Just as the pandemic broke out this year, and I would love to know more about that now, really, and to talk about i mean the isolation that you must have felt, so that 's why I'm saying it's linked to Instagram because surely Instagram has been a relief for you a little this year to for some stability, presumably,
2: oh yeah, so yeah, my partner is a wildland firefighter, and so we were living in Michigan, which is where i 'm from and mm she was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, look for a job. And she got this amazing job as a Santa Fe hotshot, which is a very elite, uh, firefighter. So we were so excited. Like she got this amazing job and we found this like really dreamy tiny town South of Santa Fe. And it just, everything was really like Mm. turning up beautifully for us. And we had been living in the woods in Michigan and so really isolated there. And so we were also just like, wow, we're going to move to like a really social place. Like I can't wait to like meet our new friends and go places. (laughs) And so um, while we were driving across the country, the clarity hadn't fully set in. It was like that first week of March where mm. people were really starting to be like, "I think something's not right," and it's gonna gonna start to be intense. And we arrived here in New Mexico on March fifteenth. Um, so March seventeenth, pretty much everything stopped. Uh, and then I was faced with Jackie. Pretty much was gone most of the time for the next six months doing a really dangerous job. So I was sort of with like living in this new town of a couple hundred people living by myself with our dog while my partner was, I mean, she likes to say that it's not, it wasn't dangerous, but I don't know. You show me a picture of that many flames next to someone (laughs) you love. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't even know that was
0: a a specialist job. I mean, that sounds extraordinary.
2: And, you know, she made it out and she's fine. And, and so now we're sort of shifting into a, a new season of being isolated and around each other a lot, which I think a lot of couples are just navigating right now. And so, yeah, we've been really, um, pulling in the tools and, you know, finding new ways to coexist. And it's honestly really been a really beautiful season of growth, I think, just for both of us individually and and as a partnership. But, well, I want to just share about social media in that way, that, again, the contradiction it serves is like, yeah, there was a lot of times that I'm so grateful to have had the connection. And again, like, it's hard to talk about because I just feel, you know, I fill and sell out my online courses with amazingly inspiring students who, who find me there. And, um, I'm so grateful for that. And it connected me and there was a lot of anxiety this year. I feel like I'm really been interested in the sort of, to like, Thinkers I sort of look to are Adrienne Marie Brown and Clementine Morrigan, who both are writers mm. and people who talk about cancel culture in really interesting ways. And I think the left really ate the left this year. Like, I think we really saw like people just coming for each other that it was a little bit like, hmm, I wonder if we could have been on the same team. And so
0: It's been an incredibly complex year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. As you say, kind of politically, there's been real emotional labor involved in getting through this year, like both within our own families of, you know, friendship groups and and with the outside world. And that's a, Mm -hmm. that must be quite a hard thing to navigate when you're undergoing loads of other change too.
2: Exactly. And so that's where I think, um... A lot of people got really anxious logging onto social media. I think there was an energy of, will I be next? For something I did yesterday, for a tweet I made 10 years ago, like there was just so little dialogue. I'm not talking about like real abuse. Like I think that there's a time for um, public discourse, maybe, I don't know. But um, just not liking someone became a reason to... Mm kind of take them down. And so I think what we witnessed was, and this is sort of what Adrienne Marie Brown talks about, is this idea of like we're all so isolated and alone that the only way to gain control, which now reminds me of your game, is like we're all grasping for control. We want to control our worlds. And so what better way to do that than to control who's in it? It made me connected. It made me feel Nervous, But some of that anxiety like dipped me deeper into my own work, like my own personal work, my Mm. practice, you know, it was kind of like put your head down and do your work. and, And that has felt that's felt good. But
0: yeah, I mean, I think I think it's been a really good year to reflect on our own behavior and, you know, think about whether you're part of that, you know, for me to think about what part I play in that culture of making people feel uncomfortable and whether I'm actually inviting people to change their views and giving them the opportunity to hear the, you know, the difference rather than just kind of telling them off. Cause I think it's so easy to scold people for not knowing what you already know, but there was a point when I didn't know what I know right now as well. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about that a lot this year.
2: Yeah. I mean, I feel, and that's where I've loved and I'm sadly not going to be able to, um, maybe I can send you a note later, but, um, the person who developed this, but there's a lot of like beautiful infographics about like the web and like who you are in the web of, you know, transformative justice or just like social circles, you know, it's some people's job to like yell at other people like I don't think you know I think about like the justified anger of black women in 2020 Mm -hmm. who are who are educators and who are angry and um and I love to follow them and like be encouraged to do my work and I'm just I'm not the yeller and that's okay like I'm more Mm. gentle come on over here like we have work to do um (laughs) (laughs) other people are the others you know it's like I think that everybody I don't think one is right or wrong and I think it's helped Mm. to um you know that's sort of like where I'm like come take my quilt class we learn how to quilt and then like they get there and I'm like here's how we dismantle white supremacy through quilting you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's a hidden agenda
2: (laughs) That's where we all have our ways. And I think less judgment of other people's ways would really serve. That's where I can't wait for my holiday. I can't wait to not watch people judge each other. That's what I can't wait to stop looking at.
0: It's that sense of jadedness that I think we're all carrying towards the end of the year that yeah. just yeah. absolute exhaustion. We'll be back with more from Marley in a moment. But first, I want to tell you about my online course, Wintering for Writers, which is back online after a successful first run this summer. Wintering for Writers is designed to be a beautiful, reflective process for writers who are currently struggling, as so many are in this pandemic year. If you're feeling blocked or are losing hope, it's packed with videos and thought-provoking texts to help you to rethink your practice and there's an exclusive workbook to support your reflection. Best of all, you can work at your own pace and in complete privacy as you write yourself back into your creative flow. To find out more, go to katherinemay.com and click on courses or follow the link in the show notes. And now, back to Marley Grace. I'm really interested to pick up on what you were saying about your relationship and how, you know, it was tough at first, but actually it's this kind of enforced period of being together has actually improved things. Because I'm, I am th- I feel like I'm hearing that from a lot of people, actually, that first of all, there was massive conflict and everyone was talking about COVID rows, you know, and, and how we were kind of all fighting. But now I'm hearing a lot of people talk about the opposite, about how they've learnt to really get used to, being in their partner's company much more, like how they've maybe talked some stuff through and come to terms with stuff. I don't know if that's true for you, but I I feel like that's true for me and my husband actually.
2: Yeah. It was funny because in some ways we had the opposite of a lot of other couples because we started COVID so distanced from each other. Like we were seeing people fighting and we were like, weird. We like, We kind of got the spice of like long distance relationship because Jackie kept being gone for two to three weeks. So like we like send fun texts and be flirty, and she would get home and it would be fun, and she Mm. out the door again in two days. Like it was truly like she was gone for many months. She would be home for two to five days a month, sort of thing. And so yeah, but it was interesting because you know yeah, my struggle was like I'm alone all the time (laughs) and sort of like I'm around people all the time. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah. For the last few months, it has been this dance of, I think I've, you know, I've heard people refer to it as like the dance of intimacy. Like how do you Mm. cultivate spaciousness that allows you to want to be close to someone, which is something I'm always working at in, in all my relationships. And, uh, Yeah. You know, even like last night we had a night of, um, we're lucky to have a lot of space in our home. And so we were just in, like, I was quilting in one room, she was painting in the other. And I think we're even just in the evening, we tend to sort of converge. And I think we're sort of getting used to being like, oh, we can actually do separate things. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, you know, the words I use are sort of like sacred union. Like how do I move from, codependency to sacred union. And I think something I've noticed with my friends is just a lot of people sharing that, um, quarantining together has actually brought up a lot of like anxious attachment or codependency in couples that otherwise aren't usually experiencing that. Cause usually Mm -hmm. we're really used to like one of us going out to hang with a friend or like socializing together and how much energy, friendship gives our partnership or one person going on a fun trip and and returning to the other it's like there's no returning and so that yeah just becomes exhausting to be like i know everything that you do and think and feel <laughs> i don't know i feel so grateful um you know this is really my you know, other than my marriage, my like longest, most serious partnership, and I just feel part of the quality of this partnership is like you have to have part a, a partner who's like willing to put in that same work of like untangling mm. what's going on. And uh, so, yeah, I feel really great.
0: That's a kind of lucky thing in a lot of ways. I mean, I you know to to actually have someone that's willing to work on stuff alongside you I think is unfortunately really rare and it's like such a thing to be cherished yeah. I would I'd love to ask if this isn't too terrible a question um how you how you cope when Jackie is off fighting fires I mean it seems like a dangerous thing that she does how do you cope
2: um <laughs> well that's yeah, it's
0: a big question
2: <laughs> I actually love it because you know it really reminds me of back to social media. And I remember feeling like, man, I wish, um, cause sometimes she also doesn't have service for days at a time. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I sometimes had this feeling like, Oh, I wish some of my friends were checking in more with me. And I realized that my social media projection never shifted. I was mostly always like, here I am writing a book dancing around to pop music like i think people just look at that and they're like, "Oh, Marley looks like she's doing good." Where i was mm. literally watching like a full season of Friday Night Lights in a day, only eating frozen pizza, like staring <laughs> You know what yeah. i mean? Like my yeah. like, coping was not perfect. I i really struggled in a lot of ways. I feel like i was not nearly as worried as i thought i would be. Like i was able to really um go about my life. I hired an assistant who lives in LA and we work remotely. And it was really helpful to just dig into my work and like really Mm -hmm. focus. that's, you know, I built the Patreon community and started writing more, you know, put the finishing touches on my book. Yeah. Developed the idea for my quilt class. Like I really, um, leaned into my work which is my art practice in so many ways and so that was really good but i really um i didn't thrive in a lot of other ways and i kind yeah. of let myself know that there were going to be a lot of like canned ravioli meals on the couch watching Grey's anatomy and crying like i just was kind of like this has to be okay because and it's it's a little isolating like there's not a lot of queer women in this field of work there's not a lot of Mm. like relate to in that like um you know I have friends whose partners like go on tour to play music and they're you know they they are used to that sort of length of time apart but it's rare to find someone who's like not a military wife who to a man who like understands what it's like to have that long of time apart where your partner is doing a more dangerous job so it definitely got a little isolating in like for both of us because also like you know Jackie doesn't know what it's like to be on my side and vice versa like she's in her own yeah
0: she's doing she's doing all that time and yeah
2: so yeah it was um but Mm. what a beautiful thing to like we made it through in such a like powerful healthy way like we really managed to like I can't imagine how exhausted she, I mean, you're literally, she was literally like digging a line in the dirt for like 16 hours a day with 45 wow. pound backpack on in hundred degree weather next to flames, like sometimes on her period, like, and oh, yeah. managed to like be so loving to me and like always like checking in. And, and um. so, yeah, I feel like just grateful that we, I don't know. Those, those situations don't like shake us too much, but yeah, my, my coping was a lot of frozen meals and a lot of TV.
0: <laughs> and that's okay. Like sometimes that's the best you can do. Yeah, I think like, I love it. as long as you eat, yeah. it's a, you know, that's enough. Yeah. I'd love to just ask a little bit about getting to center and what that's all about for anyone that hasn't come across your work before. <laughs> you described yourself to me yesterday yeah. as a toolkit person, which I think is really wonderful. Is this a toolkit? Because there's a there's a bit of memoir in there too, I'd say.
2: Yeah, you know, I really, I was really struck by starting to read your book this past week and talking about your book yesterday. Podcasts is where we talk about it constantly. Um, But I, how old are you? Or do you
0: not have to tell me? Sorry. I am 43. I have to think about it really hard every time, yeah.
2: Okay, great. It's funny because I felt that, feeling of like, oh, my book in my late thirties or early forties will look more like this. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and that's not to shame getting to center. I think it's a beautiful book, but I am still like, I get really into something I'm working on in my personal life is like not trying to fix or solve everything. And there's an energy getting to center. That's a little bit like, here's how I fixed it. (laughs) <laughs> that, that already a couple of months after putting it out I'm like ooh, that could have been a little more of just storytelling like I don't know if I needed to tell people how to fix it at the end or something because it's so but but I think that's
0: what we need sometimes isn't it we need someone to come and like say confidently actually look I've got something that can help don't worry about this there's there's stuff you can do
2: Oh, that's so sweet. So yeah, it is, you know, the book. Uh, yeah. I definitely feel like there's more of a, of a story of a, like of a true memoir in me waiting to happen and we'll mm-hmm. see if that exist. But, um,
0: yeah, I can feel that. I can feel that coming out of you.
2: Cool. 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 <laughs> um, because yeah, this book is more of, you know, it's really broken up into sort of like 18 or so like essays, you know, that are, that have threads that go throughout, but are sort of, you know, really looking at these themes I've been exploring through the lens of my sobriety and my queerness and going through a divorce and just sort of the things, all the things I really packed into my twenties, uh, sort of me like reporting back sort of like I mentioned about the Saturn return, sort of being like, okay, I'm on the other side. Like it is, mm. it is a really different texture of life in my early thirties than it was, uh, going through, you know, I got sober at 22. I got married at 25. I got divorced at 28. I realized I was gay at 29. I just was like, do, 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 My God, you were busy in your twenties. <laughs> I was busy. Um, I, didn't, <laughs> I opened and closed a business during that time. You know, I had a a, a physical space in grand rapids michigan for 4 years and so yeah just a lot in that time and yeah the book is really about you know i say like this is not an advice book like this is is really a book of how i have really stayed alive you know through addiction and pain and transition and really chosen life over and over again for myself and how uh I managed to keep making art and keep finding joy and feel my feelings and yeah give it back to people in book form and it's it's felt really special. it's wild how on time it felt in the pandemic right i you know
0: yeah absolutely yeah
2: and yeah book book selling is it's really hard right now, it's really hard to see a lot of places. Back ordered, it's hard to see big publishers that have small imprints sort of flailing along. Mm. I found out that, um, all of the pre orders placed through my publisher never got mailed. Oh no, oh <laughs> um, god, about six weeks ago. So, ah, uh. little, yeah, it's been painful in some ways to feel like. It's just, and that's me, like I'm frustrated and I I try to be gentle. I'm like, I think every system and structure doesn't work right now. And um, mm. like you sort of mentioned before, it's asking us to really look at the systems that have been built to not support us. Mm. And it can be frustrating and it's like, cool, let's rebuild. Yeah. How do we do this better? Definitely yeah so uh as far as i've heard that the books have now been mailed but <laughs> yeah after all, it's been an interesting an interesting experience but um i'm glad it's out in the world ah
0: well molly thank you so much for talking to me it's been absolutely amazing so people can find your book everywhere good books are sold which is called getting to center Uh, It's a really helpful guide that I think loads of people will find hugely useful, as you say, particularly this year of all years. And they can find you on Instagram for a very brief amount of time before you go on holiday as Marley Grace. Uh, And I'll put all the links in the show notes anyway. But thank you so much for talking to us today. Oh,
2: thank you so much, Catherine. This was lovely.
0: And that's all for us today. Thank you so much to Marley Grace for such a fascinating conversation. Getting to Centre is available from all good bookstores and you can spend more time with Marley by joining her Planetarium portal, a membership community. Go to marleygrace.space forward slash Patreon. I'll be back next week with another brilliant writer who is intimate with winter. Thanks for listening.